Welcome to the Pivoting Out of Education podcast, where hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard will share their stories of folks who have left campus-based positions in education and K-12 to leverage their skills in other contexts. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person holds 12 jobs between the ages of 18 and 50. Educators, like Jamie and Tom, often enter their careers thinking they will stay in education forever, perhaps because they're trained to think that way, or perhaps it is hard to see other pathways. Both of your hosts pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they want to give back and support others trying to do the same. Thanks for listening in and enjoy today's episode of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Hello there and welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Studdard. And we are so excited today to have Jen Dustin with us, also known at some points as Mrs. Dustin and Principal Dustin. Jen made a pivot out of a campus-based position that I'm slightly sad about, which is that she was the principal of my daughter's elementary school, but is also a friend of mine and someone I'm very, very glad to still be in touch with and get to hear about her journey adjacent to education. So thank you, thank you, Jen, for being with us today. And if you can, get started by telling us about your background in education. Great. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I never thought I'd be on a podcast talking about getting out of education, but hey, you know, (laughs) I guess all things are possible and I am here to speak about it. So yeah, so I spent about 20 years as an educator, actually longer than that, because as long as I can remember, I've worked with kids. I, you know, worked at an elementary school in college and did yard duty. I was a high school basketball coach in college and I volunteered even when I was in high school. So really, as long as I can remember, I've either been in school or been working at a school or helping um, with a school around children. But more formally, about 20 years, I started as a high school teacher at Ventura High School. And then I had to kind of pivot. I, I really saw myself kind of spending my career at that high school and, you know, really developing some roots there. And uh, similarly to what happens to lots of new teachers, you get that beautiful, cute little pink flip. Pink is my favorite color, but it was not my favorite color that year. (laughs) I have to tell you. So there was a brand new high school that was just opening up called Foothill High School. And they had a spot for me that they could guarantee me. So I pivoted over and I uh, started at Foothill Technology High School as a social science teacher, taught a little bit of psychology. And really just had a nice start to my teaching career. I, I, I've always had a love of leadership. So it was only natural that I became the activities director and started teaching the ASB leadership class. And on the side, I was trying to, while I was young, get my additional degrees out of the way. So I was taking my master's in educational leadership. And it just seemed at the time that I was finishing up my little studies and I got my little degree right there was a assistant principal job at my school that I applied to. And to my surprise, you know, having only been an educator at that time for about five years, I got the job. So I kind of moved into administration a little quicker than I think I had had really planned. But in true gen fashion, when I see an open door, I try to take advantage of it. So I did that. So my first 10 years in the high school area, 
And then I spent my next 10 years as an elementary school principal. And that's where, of course, I got to have Jojo as one of my students and just really watch her grow and flourish as a leader and so many more. So that's where I was. And we used this amazing program to support our students and our families and our staff called Leader in Me from Franklin County Education. And so we used our program for about eight years. And that's kind of led me to where I am today. I love that you're talking about being a teacher. So Jen, full transparency for our audience. This is my first time meeting Jen, but Jen, I actually got a degree in education in secondary education and wanted to be a um, middle school teacher. That was my life's goal, oh. uh, which I'm not sure anybody ever says that, No, <laughs> but, but I wanted, I, 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 I got a teaching degree in Arizona and I wanted to be an eighth grade teacher because they, that is when they took civics and, and government. And that was something that I was really mm-hmm. passionate about. So I love hearing about that. And I love the fact that you were a teacher and, and worked your way into principal chef. I come from a long line of teachers and think that, you know, particularly teaching in K through 12 is, is it's no joke, right? It's, it, I think outside of being a mom and a dad, probably the hardest job in the world. And so certainly thank you for your time having been a, a teacher and a principal. And I know that you talked about using Franklin Covey and then ultimately making the pivot out of campus-based position into Franklin Covey, but why, why the decision to move? What, what was really the impetus for, for you wanting to make that transition? You know, I don't, I wouldn't say it was anything I ever thought I wanted to do per se, but it was something that I really came to see as a part of who I was, not only as a leader, but really as a person. I, I not only was transformed by living the seven habits of highly effective people and really using it with my families, but when I saw the difference that I was able to make in my community, and in the lives of children. And we're talking both children that are affluent and have lots and tons of parent support at home to children that have little to none and are even in foster families. I just really found that this was something that changes lives and changes communities. And I just felt such a calling to it that when the opportunity arose, I mean, it probably took me about three years to make the decision to really make that leap, but it was just something that was always pulling at me. And it was something that I always just truly felt like every school needs this, every child needs this, every family needs this. And so as I thought through the things and as, you know, different opportunities came to me over the course of probably about three years, it's just something that I finally didn't say no to anymore. And I finally just paid attention to that open door and, and, and took the leap and, and followed my heart. Yeah. I love the follow your heart. I think our listeners will resonate with that quite a bit as, you know, a lot of the folks that were marketing this program to our people that are just now starting to listen to their heart and thinking about making that pivot. And, and obviously you've done it and have been successful. And I love the story of thinking how important the seven habits of highly effective people, which is a book I read, goodness gracious, that feels like a gazillion years ago. Um, and I also had a Franklin planner. So that also feels like a gazillion years ago. Uh, <laughs> we still have them. They were great. <laughs> I mean, I remember having it. And I remember when they, when it became Franklin Covey, because it was suddenly in my planner, I had the seven habits of highly effective people, but I love that you're talking about being able to do that for schools. And so there's still an, an opportunity to be a part of the educational environment just in a different way, which is, again, I think a lot of what our listeners are, are trying to negotiate out for themselves. So thank you for that. All right. 
And with that, can you explain what it is that you do in your current role? Oh my gosh, my job is so fun. Every morning I wake up and still feel like I need to pinch myself that I get to do this for a living. My main job really is just supporting principals and schools to reach their highest potential. So I spend my day on phone calls. I literally just got off of one right now, just talking with principals about how they're doing, what they're experiencing, what's going well, what sort of challenges they're having, and really just brainstorming and seeing if there's a way that I can support them. And when, you know, when we have a conversation and it feels like something we want to move forward to talk further about, it usually ends up, I get to visit their school normally. And in normal times, that, that meeting usually takes place on a school campus, just because I'm selfish and I miss kids and I don't want to do a phone <laughs> conversation. So I'll usually yeah. offer to buy them lunch or something just so that I can come on campus and see the children. Right now, things are a little bit different. But yeah, so then we, you know, we just get in, we have conversations and we start taking a deeper dive and a look into really what they want to achieve with their school. What do they want for their staff? What kind of supports do they want for their families? And then we kind of just talk through and we build a plan together. And then I get to help them in the implementation. I help them sort of think big picture and design and dream big. You know, that's my, that's my own mission statement. Dream big, work hard, leave a little sparkle wherever you go. I was going to say, there's uh, got to be glitter involved in yes. your personal mission statement. Yes, that's my <laughs> mission statement. It is short and sweet, but really that's what I like to do. I like to help people dream big. And, you know, the number one question I ask my principals is, if you could wave your magic wand and do anything at your campus, what would that be? What would that look like? And I really just help them imagine and kind of get back to their why because I have resources that can help them do that. And I just feel so fortunate and so lucky that I get to be a partner in that. I mean, it's just yeah. so special for me, for them to let me in on their journey to help make their school the place that it really can become and reach their biggest potential. And so then I just support them through the first year of their journey and I get them a coach and then we have a team and, and we just get after it. Very cool. And as you... You know, think about folks that might be listening who are school teachers or in, a, in other administrative roles in K-12 or higher ed for that matter. What, what are some strategies that you use to pivot out of education? And maybe what advice do you have for folks that are, are thinking about that? Well, as I was pivoting out of education, I'm not really sure I knew that's what I was doing. None of this really happened on purpose. I never woke up and said, I no longer want to be a principal. I no longer want to come to a school every day. I mean, that was as long as I can remember, I'd always wanted to be a teacher. As long as I remember as a little girl, all I could imagine was going to a school every day and that smell of fresh cut grass and the crayons, and all of the things that come with that, children's laughter. I never imagined that that wouldn't be my everyday life. So it's really interesting when it happened, because I was, I was kind of at a point in my life where I needed to, I needed to focus on my family and my children, because I had spent so many hours and years focusing on other people's children. I was very blessed in the fact that my daughters got to go to the elementary school where I was principal. So I kind of got to do double duty, but then as they moved up into middle and high school, I noticed there were those things that I was missing. So when you ask about the strategies I used to pivot out of education, I, I wouldn't really say it was a strategy. It was a lot of like 
prayer and having faith in myself and just saying, okay, just follow the path, but one foot in front of the other. Really, it, it was a lot of bravery. I'm not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a pension and insurance and a nice secure job, all of those things are really great. So to really think about not having that and, and really going out on a ledge and just like completely pivoting was very scary. And I've never considered myself a brave person before that. But now looking back on my journey, I was brave. That was, that was the word. And I didn't, re- I didn't realize that at the time, but I just, I had to choose bravery. And I really, the only thing I had to rely on was that this was something my heart was telling me I needed to do for my family and to follow my passion. I, I was all of a sudden seeing something bigger. And I kind of had a little talk with myself, like, okay, you say you dream big. Like, let's see it. Let's put it to, you say you dream big. So you dream big. Let's go. Let's see if you can make this happen. So I did. I, I dreamed big. I took a chance. I worked hard. And it's really working out great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I I mean, I find that folks who've built a career around education, and this was included for myself, like a lot of it is getting around the way you identify yourself as being Mm -hmm. different, you know, because I imagine myself leaving a campus-based position and you build your identity around it for good and bad, right? Like, I mean, even when you you have kids, you build your identity, maybe more so around the career than the kids. But at some point in time, I know for me that that, that influenced my pivot in education, but it does. It, it really comes down to the heart and helping yourself really think about what is best and what is yeah. kind of calling you. Like you, you had like a door kind of open for you and it's like, did really just step through said door. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. let's make well, that. And it was, a, it was a process because it was definitely something I had, had thought about many times. But when you bring up the identity, you're right. My whole identity was built around being a servant leader to my school and taking care of my families and my kids. And I've always seen that as my life's mission and passion was to serve and to really, you know, make a positive impact in my community and make it better than before I came. And I would say that's my biggest struggle. I felt so much guilt around taking a chance on making a bigger impact in other ways and leaving behind not only my school, but my district. You know, these these people that I had been principals with and teachers with, I mean, I basically like grew up with them as an adult, right? And these were some of my best friends. And here I was leaving them. I mean, I joke about it, but it's serious. Like I have serious survivor's guilt right now. Serious survivor's guilt because, you know, and I'll run into former principals and friends of mine and teachers and families. And they say, gosh, we need you now more than ever. They love their new principal. Their new principal is amazing. And it's not even about that. It's just, you know, people in the district will say, well, my gosh, I really wish you were here to be doing this work with us through the pandemic. And I'm not going to lie. I have a ton of survivor skills. And all I can do is just think of ways that I can serve them now. So I do like lots of free like webinars and I send free resources and how can I support you? 
um, encouraging people to join the PTA at your old school. <laughs> yes, slash, slash become president of the PTA at your old school. Well, and I will say that was part of my shift. I part of my shift in coming to this role because it is a little bit more flexible. It allowed me to sort of like put my money where my mouth is, and I can now serve my daughter's school. I was able to be president of their high school PTA. You know, I'm serving as president of our police foundation for our city. You know, I'm, I'm able to help with some of those other things that before I would always say like, oh, volunteering is important. We need more volunteers. Come on, step up. I couldn't really ever do it the way I wanted to do it because I had such a big job. <laughs> yeah, Jen, I, I appreciate the survivor guilt and the survivor story. As our listeners will know from previous episodes, I used to run an orientation program for a university in California. And, you know, when you're planning orientation, it takes a full year to plan it. You start planning it literally the day after the summer orientation ends and you go up until the next summer. And to know that in March of last year, they were probably pretty much done with planning orientation and then had to switch gears in a half a minute to an online program. I can only imagine what it was like to be in their shoes. And there was moments where I felt very guilty about the fact that I also felt really thankful that I wasn't having to do that type of work. But there was also moments where it was like, oh, goodness gracious, I, I know how to do that. I could be there. I could be helping. And so it, it, your, your story of survivors get definitely resonates with, with me, at least. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, because you've talked a little bit about, you know, not just the survivor's guilt, but sort of the, the things that you enjoy and the things that you know, you've been able to, to focus your attention on whether it's being, being a full, you know, being a mom or being on the PTA or, or a part of the police foundation. What are the things that you like about being out of the campus-based roles? And then on the flip side, maybe what's some of the things that you miss? You know, it's, it's really funny that, that I'm saying this, but about maybe two weeks into my new role, it was raining so, so hard. And I was still trying to adjust to, again, this whole guilt of, you know, not having, you know, a 7am to 6pm job anymore, where I had to be on campus all the time. And so I'm, I'm struggling with my flexibility. I'm like, like working and trying to make sure that I get like the most out of my hours and my new job, even though I'm working from home, and it's like super flexible. And I get a phone call from my youngest daughter, who's a freshman at the time, and she's absolutely in tears. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm soaked. I'm wearing white pants. Like, I am not going to class. Oh. I'm sitting in the nurse's <laughs> office. And she's just in tears. And I said, I'll be right there. I can bring you clothes. And neither her nor I realized she wasn't calling me to bring her clothes because that's never been anything I've ever been able to do. I've always been a school principal. I can't just leave and go take my daughter's clothes. She was calling to let me know that she was going to get her work and do it in the nurse's office because she is soaked and embarrassed and she is refusing to go to class. It never even dawned on her that I could actually come and help her and bring her clothes. And so it was in that moment, I was like, one of my favorite things is getting to be able to be there for my kids when they need me at the last minute, because that's not something I've really ever been able to do. It's, you know, being able to drive my daughters around and not have to say, oh, well, you can't go because I can't get you a ride because I'm still at work and I have a meeting and, you know, dad's coaching at that time. So we don't have a ride for you. It's being able to say yes 
and giving my kids some opportunities that maybe they didn't have before. And it's given me the opportunity to be a more present parent because nine times out of 10, when I would come home after a long day, I had been, you know, supporting one of my staff members who might be going something with their family or supporting one of my students or Maybe a child was, you know, removed from their home and I was waiting for the police officers to get there. So whenever I came home, usually I had used up all of my listening and my emotions for other people's kids. And I would come home to my own and do my best, right? Put a smile on whatever. But lots of times it was like, oh my gosh, I can't handle another thing. So just the mental capacity of being able to be a present parent and there for two teenage daughters who needed me now more than ever. So that's, you know, that's probably the thing I like best about being out of the campus role. What I like, which I wasn't sure that I liked because I'm such a traditional person and I love my routines. I do actually like the variety of different things in my day. Sometimes I'm out of town working at schools, Sometimes I'm doing a lunch meeting. Sometimes I'm doing Zoom. I have complete control over forming that. So that is kind of fun because I'm used to being locked into, okay, you're on campus by this time. The earliest you could leave campus is this time, but usually it's later because I have a few things to do. So it it has been interesting and, and very freeing mentally and being there for my family. Yeah, absolutely. I love the story of you being able to take the clothes to your daughter. What sort of a mind shift for both you and her that you were able to do that. So thanks for telling that story. So again, on the flip side, though, what do you miss about being on campus? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm sure everybody is missing this right now. It's the hugs from the kids. Like nobody's getting that. So I like can't really feel sorry for myself anymore because no one's getting that. But I do. I just really miss the kids. I miss them telling me their silly stories that takes 10 minutes to tell me that they, you know, pet their dog that morning. Um, you know, I, I have to laugh at that because like, I know Tom especially would be like, no, no, no. I don't have the patience for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, there was, there's times like I'm walking in the hallway and I'm trying to get to a teacher's classroom. I have a meeting with them or I'm trying to get where I need to go. And this, you know, a child will be, Miss Dustin, guess what? Um, so my mommy, she <laughs> let the dog, I mean, and then it goes on and on and on. But really all they want to tell me is, oh, I pet my dog this morning before I came to school. But it, it you know, <laughs> took 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, come on, come on. Like, you can do it. <laughs> I miss those long gone out stories now. And really, I, one of the things I didn't anticipate missing but I'm noticing it now as I see principals interact with their, their teachers. I really miss supporting teachers in their ongoing growth. I really loved when I would see like sparks of greatness and things like potential in teachers that they didn't see in themselves, that I could help grow that and bring that out. And I didn't have a ton of time for coaching because I was super busy, but I just loved seeing that development happen over time and really just the teacher's job is so tough it is so crazy and you know for me one of my most important things as a principal was really supporting them so that they could be the best for their students 
of course, I was never as good as I wanted to be. And I never had enough time to, to do it the way that I really wanted to do it. But truly, that was my intention. And that was looking back now, one of the things I miss the most that I think I really took for granted at the time yeah. was just being being a leader that could support teachers where they're at. Yeah. 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 Very cool. I mean, sad, but uh, to miss it, but yeah. it sounds that, you know, your experience has been validated by the joy that you do get out of what you are, what you are doing now. And along those lines, I'm, I'm curious what do you see yourself doing next? Although I acknowledge you're somewhat new in this pivot. So what do you see next? And then if you can close us with sharing sort of advice for folks that might be looking to pivot out of campus-based positions. Well, I don't have, I don't have a plan for what I'm doing next. I love what I'm doing right now. And I just, think that my plan is to just keep looking for those open doors. I, I don't ever see myself leaving the company that I work for now. I am just, Franklin Covey is such an amazing place to work. I mean, it is so supportive and just the content of, of our resources and how we support people like really does change lives. So I do feel like I'm getting to support teachers in a way by making their lives easier and giving them tools that they can use for their students and their families. So I am a thousand and one percent fulfilled in, in doing what I'm doing right now. So I have no plans of going anywhere or moving up. I really don't have a huge interest in managing people. I kind of had my fill of that for the last 10 years. <laughs> so, you know, I just hope I get to keep doing really what I'm doing. And who knows, like maybe I'll move up, you know, with Franklin Covey or maybe do something different. You know, there's so many different opportunities just within the company, but I'm just, I feel like my life's mission is so in alignment with my job that it doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like this is my life and I'm living my best life and this is right where I'm supposed to be. So I can't even think about, you know, what I see next yeah. in my career. And, you know, along those same lines, I think that's what I would say to people looking to possibly pivot out of education is, you know, really make sure that it's, in alignment with your life and your passion and that you're not leaving education because you're burnt out or you're tired or, you know, it's a very, very challenging time or just simply like one of those dips. You know, we all have those dips. We have the highs, we have the lows, but really make sure that it's in alignment with, with who you are and, and what you want to be. Like I said, my, my process was you know, about a three-year process, but if I'm being honest in the back of my head, I always thought about being somebody that could support teachers. I always thought about being someone that could support leadership development just because I've seen how powerful it is in students and adults. And there have been other opportunities with other organizations that I have considered taking on in the past. So when I look at that and I think it's like, it's kind of like this reoccurring dream that just keeps coming up and keeps coming back to the point of, again, it wasn't anything I, I think I was looking for or asking or wanting, but when it finally became, how many times am I going to say no to this when it keeps coming up, maybe I should take a look at this and, and give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. 
You know, I, I, again, Jen, have really enjoyed listening to your story, particularly because it, it, it brings a new flavor to our podcast and, and to the shared stories for our listeners, particularly who I think will, you know, like, like Jamie said in the opening, our first season is primarily those who are pivoting out of higher education. And then we hope to, to move into the second season with K through 12. But what really resonates for me is the theme of all of our shows. And, and you really cemented it is that you, you can find the passion of what we do in education in other roles, whether they're education adjacent or you know, like what I do, which is customer education or whatever the case may be, you can find that same passion. You can mentor, you can teach, you can be there for just a different group of people, whether it's, you know, small children or adults or, or college students or whatever the case may be. And a line that you use that I loved was always be looking for that open door. And I think that that's really pivotal school for those of us who are looking to make that pivot out of EDU because that door will be open and it's just a matter of, are you ready to walk through it? And have you built the skills necessary and, and to use a line that you said, are you, are you brave enough? Have you put some prayer into it? Are you faithful enough in your own sort of skills and, and, and traits to be able to, to take that leap? And nine times out of 10, it's going to work out really well for you. Well, Jen, I, I, I know I speak for Jamie when I say thank you very much for joining us for this podcast, Pivoting Out of EDU. Your story has been fantastic and I know will resonate well with our listeners. We hope that you'll potentially come back and join us for future discussions later on in our second season. But for now, again, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for today. And we look forward to having you download the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. As always, thank you to our guests for joining us. Additionally, special thanks to our sound editor, John Alexander. We spend one third of our life at work. It should be something we believe in and have a passion for. It's okay if that passion changes. If you are thinking about pivoting out of education or know someone who is, visit our website at pivotingoutofedu.com for advice, testimonials, and blog articles. Have advice to share or would like a private consultation? Contact Jamie or Tom via the website or at pivotingoutofedu at gmail.com.